Thank you for listening to this message brought to you by the audio ministry of Lighthouse Baptist Church in Schenectady, New York. For more great content, please visit us at lighthousebaptist.org. Now let's open our hearts and minds to the Word of God. So Luke 15 is where we're going. I'd like to remind you that um, tonight I am going to preach on baptism. And I want to just, because we're going to be baptized today and baptizing today, and I thought I'd uh, show you a little bit about what baptism means, why we do it, and uh, why God is, or Christ has asked us uh, as part of the um, ordinances of the church, the two ordinances of the church. So uh, if you come back, that'd be great. I'll be preaching this week a missions conference, conference out in Bellingham, Massachusetts. It's just on the outskirts of Boston. Anybody familiar with the Bellingham Baptist Church out there? On one hand, that's good. Um, they are, uh, uh, their preacher, their keynote speaker uh, can't make it, and they asked if I would come out and do that, so I'm going to do that uh, for them this week. So uh, anyway, so I won't be here from Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday. Uh, i have somebody preaching Wednesday night here. I'm not sure who that'll be yet, and then... Uh, I'll be gone out there for three and be back on Saturday. All right, Luke 15. I'm going to read them again, but I wanted to have you there um, because I want to talk about, I want to follow along with that theme that we've been talking about as far as cleanup, uh, spring cleanup. And uh, this, uh, I think, fits right into in preparation for Resurrection Sunday in a couple weeks when we're going to be trying to get our friends and family to, uh, to come in and celebrate the Lord's uh, Resurrection Day. Um, so I, I want to, I thought I'd pick this and use this as an example of how we are to reach those that are lost. Um, enter in, enter, or excuse me, either what woman having ten pieces of silver, if she lose one piece, doth not light a candle, and here's the key, sweep the house and seek diligently Till she find it. How many of you, house, uh, well, I'm going to say men and women uh, are uh, what I call diligent cleaners? In other words, if I were to walk into your house, it's clean. Everything's in its order, right? It's nice and spotless, right? Not, anybody? Oh, my wife. Good, good. Anybody obsessed with that? Yeah, ah, there you go. Sierra, yeah, obsessed. My wife is obsessed with it. Uh, she's, she can't let even a speck or a dot of uh, dirt be anywhere, and so she's a cleaner. In fact, Kathy uh, Earl's here with us today, and she used to clean for us uh, when we years ago, and uh, she's here, so I know that she's a pretty good cleaner. Uh, what do you think? You think we should be good cleaners? Yeah. I think we should be. We should be have things in order, but look what it says here. And when uh, it says sweep the house, she seek diligently until she find it. In other words, she's not going to give up until she finds that, that coin. And when she hath found it, she calleth her friends and her neighbors together, saying, Rejoice with me, for I have found the peace which I had lost. Likewise, I say unto you, there is joy. There is joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner that repenteth. Um, pretty cool, isn't it? 
in verse 8, it says Jesus gives a, he gives a rhetorical question. That's basically what he's doing. And uh, he's implying that his audience would see it the same way that he's saying it. Does that make sense? In other words, you would read it the same way that he would see it or any, any woman would see that was looking for a coin in her house. So he told the woman who was having 10 pieces of silver and she loses one of them. And uh, uh, he was telling of this woman how she had done a, a clean sweep. That's the name of this message. Of the whole house looking for it. And that word translated uh, as a piece of silver there is, uh, uh, refers to the Greek silver coin similar to the Roman denarius. And, and when you look at that, probably that coin she lost was roughly worth the equivalent of a day's wage. Uh, but when you look at it in perspective of putting in perspective of today, say she made a thousand thousand dollars in a week, she would be that would be one tenth of it, would be a hundred dollars that she just lost. So uh, that's that's a pretty good loss, I would say, right? But what I want you to see here is not that. I want you to see the value of that coin. You know how she was just she just had to find that one coin, that silver coin. So the value of the coin is what is key to understanding this message. Finding the one piece was important to her. So Jesus went on to describe she, she diligently just swept the entire house until she found it, even lighting a candle to help her see more clearly in every closet, every crack, every crevice, right? And upon finding that coin, the woman cries out in relief. She cries out in excitement, calling out to her friends and all of her neighbors. Do you feel the value of that coin? And inviting those people to rejoice with her because she found the piece that she had lost. It was missing. It was a missing piece, and now it is found. So again, the parable implied that even the Lord's critics would do the very same thing as this woman had done if you lost something of great value. And that's the key to this whole message. That's the key to this, the Scripture verses here. When something that important and that valuable is lost, we're not going to give up until we find it. We're just not going to do it. See, Jesus continued, he said, Likewise, I say unto you, there is joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner that repenteth. So we're talking about value here of a soul. So now the picture gets really clear for us listeners, right? It's a clear illustration is how they're rejoicing in heaven when one sinner repents over one uh, uh, repents and receives Jesus Christ. One lost sinner is found, and all of heaven rejoices. So this implies heaven has something uh, missing, doesn't it? There's some missing pieces there that are valuable to God, and those missing pieces are lost souls. And, and these are the pieces he lost, not physically, understanding, but spiritually, right? He obviously uh, is referring to the souls he created that went astray into sin and were, are now separated from him. So what Jesus was clearly saying is that the very angels of God, they rejoice over any and every occasion when someone is saved. They just, they get to rejoicing. And in a minute, we're going to be baptizing. I want to tell you, there's not a time I've ever baptized that, I, that joy doesn't fill my heart and just spill over. It's just amazing. Sometimes I can't even get through the baptism without crying. Turn over to John just quickly with me. John 1.
This is called, by the way, the lost and found chapter of the Bible. The lost and found chapter. In fact, more messages have been preached out of John 15 than any other chapter in the Bible except for maybe John 3, or, or Luke 15, except for maybe John 3. Look what it says in John 1, 1 through 5. It says this, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and look what it says, And the life was the light of men, and the light shineth in darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. Jesus said in John uh, 12, 46, I am come a light into the world that whosoever believeth on me should not abide in darkness. So she had the light to find that coin. And Luke 15 is where, uh, like I said, it's called the lost and found chapter. So the entire 15th chapter of Luke is about losing something and finding something or losing someone or finding someone. Uh, verses 4 through 7 um, you can check those later. They're about a, a, a shepherd finding one of his lost sheep. Right? Luke 15, 6 says, And when he cometh home, he called together his friends and neighbors, saying unto them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep that was lost. Right? So these are those who have lost their way. These are the people who just lost their way. That's all there is. Right? And then the Bible says, All we like sheep have gone astray. We have lost our way. But the Bible also says that we can't find our way back without Jesus Christ. We have no way to get back with him. So these are the ones who have lost their way. And then you go down to verses 8 through 10. Uh, It was about the lost coin, which we just read. These are those who have lost all hope, and they can't find their way out of it. So they are the people ready to give up. They are at wit's end. This is their last stand, their last ditch effort to find what, they've, uh, what they're looking for, that they lost. And finally, in verses 11 to 32, it's about the lost and found son, or the prodigal son. It says, for this my son was dead, in, in verse 24, and is alive again, he was lost and is found, and they, and they became merry. Now, I want to just elaborate just a little bit on this before I get to my points and we're done. Like I told you, this message is going to be fairly quick but I, because we're baptizing today. But these are the people who are walking away from God being tempted by the world. In other words, they've lost interest in godly things and they're seeking satisfaction from other things, right? Like, for instance, uh, pleasures or possessions or uh, prosperity or popularity or power. You know, all these things people are looking for today, they walk away from God uh, for those things. So uh, here's what I want to talk about in a minute. This nation has been going down this path for some time now. We have been so blessed, you know. we got full refrigerators, gas in our tanks, and, and we're, uh, instead of driving to church, we're driving other things, you know. We're just going to the places that we shouldn't go to and we're spending our money on things. Uh, we're wasting our money, I should think, on things that are not anything to do with eternity, We've lost our way, but we've lost our common senses. And as a result, we've lost the ability to know right from wrong, good from evil, moral things from immoral things. So, and even worse is that we are accepting this loss of common sense as normal. We're saying it's just normal behavior. Little by little, Satan, what is he doing? He's just chipping away at the Word of God and at our hearts at us in some in some cases he's winning right now um time's getting short and he's he knows his time is getting short so what he's doing is he's he's 
he's elevating his attacks. Evil men and seducers have certainly waxed worse. Would you agree with me? Deceiving and being deceived is gotten, is, is, has now been ramped up. And all, yea, all they that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. It's, it's no longer escapable. In fact, uh, it's now right in our face. I, um, a new law was just, I don't know if you're familiar, I follow everything that goes on in Israel. I have an app that follows there. I can't actually understand the Hebrew when they, when they talk, uh, but I can get a gist of what they're saying through, uh, uh, through the, the commentaries or the illustrators there. But uh, a new law was just introduced this past week in Israel. You know what it was? That anyone using the name of Jesus can be imprisoned for using it to try to convert people. Well, that's really sad to me. Because right? I have witnessed in Israel. I tried, to, I tried to lead a Palestinian man to the Lord over there. Um, and now, now we're at, you know, at risk. Uh, we're going over there. If you just come as a tour, you don't say anything, you're okay, you'll be fine. But can you imagine that, going to jail for just mentioning the name of Jesus? Boy, are we jumping back in the book of Acts or what? I'm even concerned about our churches. I, I, I just recently heard a preacher say this. He said, for a long time, I have watched the attacks of Satan on the King James Bible. And he said, without being negative, he said, Satan has about won that battle. Now, and then he, he said, he hasn't won it with us. But I want to tell you, he hasn't won it with us. But I want you to look around you right now. Uh, it's getting harder and harder to find King James Bible churches. It really is. It's harder and harder to find a King James Bible. Uh, I used to buy them at Sam's Club and BJ's. I'd just buy them. They're cheap and give them away. You can't get them anymore. Now it's going to all the other versions. He hasn't won it here yet, but I want to tell you something. He's won in a lot of places, and it's sad. It's getting harder and harder. Good fundamental churches and pastors are now dropping the old King James Bible left and right. For other Bibles. The Bible that they got saved on and brought up on, they're dropping it. And when you remove, listen to me very carefully, when you remove biblical stances that have stood the test of time and have cost many Christians their lives, it just opens the floodgates of evil to come in and to coerce the masses and control the narrative and corrupt the present and future generations. That's what we're facing right now. So drag queen story hours in libraries and schools right now? I mean, seriously? Men and women have come out of the closets as the Christians are going back in the closets. They're not saying anything. And pastors are now afraid to stand up upon truth because they're condemned if they do so by their own congregates? And I want to tell you something. I don't even like telling you this, but right here near us, uh, a local church right, right in our area, uh, was uh, the, I found out um, did that just happened to stand on a truth and got rebuked by his congregants. That's happening, everybody, and it's happening right in our face, right here locally. And no, I'm not going to tell you who it was because you don't need to know that. But it's no longer a far off, right? It's right here, right now, what we're dealing with. So when you take God out of the picture. The picture changes, and we have taken God out of the picture in America right now, and the picture is changing drastically, and it changes quickly. And by the way, unfortunately, I mean, like, 
it's way out now. It's, it's not even, there's no common sense at all anymore. So I wonder what's next, don't you? I really do wonder what, I'm not sure how, uh, how it can get any more immoral. I'm not sure how it can get any more illicit. I mean, you can't watch anything on TV without seeing a half-naked woman anymore. Commercials, whatever, it's in everything, right? It can't get any more insulting to God, I don't believe, before he has to do something about it. Now, I'm not the bearer of bad news here, um, even though it's bad news, but we have work to do. And soon the eternal offer of God will be gone forever and time is getting short and the missing pieces still need to be found and there are literally thousands of lost pieces in our own area that need to be found. So they are the lost souls who are, are going to miss heaven unless they're found. Um, I, I want to find them, don't you? I, do, I, I at least want to have a desire to find those people. They are the missing pieces God came to find. These are the ones that are lost in their sin. They may not, they may not uh, there may be some within my voice right now as I'm speaking. Um, I, I, I believe we're now living in between the 69th and 70th week of the prophecy of Daniel. And, and uh, I can honestly say, I thought we'd all be gone by now. I honestly did. I really thought the rapture would have happened and we'd be in heaven already. But he hasn't. It just tells us how patient, how loving, how long-suffering our God is. Um, and we have to stay busy because we don't have much time left occupying till he comes, looking for these missing souls who are lost in sin and without a clue of what's in store for them or what they're doing in, in, in direct rebellion against God. So why is the theme for these few weeks, why did I pick spring cleaning? Uh, we learned last week it's because Jesus is coming to clean house again. He came one time and he cleaned house. Uh, he went into that temple twice and did that. And he's coming back now, only it's not going to be the same way the next time he comes. Uh, so Jesus is coming again, and today it's, it's about uh, making a clean sweep right now. A more diligent effort. So in looking at verse 8 again, it all comes down to how you value people. How you value people. So here's my points and we're, and we're through. A clean sleep, sweep means, according to what I just read, is that we need to seek more diligently. Everybody looking at me? You got to step it up. It's time to step it up. It's not status quo anymore. You know, I do this, do this. No, no. Uh, we got to step it up. So many Christians, they have given up a diligent search for lost souls. Now it's just turned into a casual search. Or just, we'll ask somebody to church once in a while. We've got to step it up. If, if I have the time and energy to do so, we need to do so. So now is not the time to get lax or to get lazy. Uh, here are some of the reasons why we're not to give it. And number one is this, the exasperation of empathy. You know what's happening out there? We're no longer, we no longer feel the pain of people. We are, we are now so frustrated with the people, the way they're acting, what we're doing is we're not putting a high value on them anymore. Guilty. I'm guilty. We see this nonsense that they're doing and they're out of control and they're getting right in your face and they're screaming and yelling out there about their rights to do this and rights to do that and rights to that. We just say, 
I, I don't even want to talk to them. That's because the value isn't high enough. Our hearts have turned cold just like Jesus said they would. Right? He said that in, in Matthew 24, 12. And because iniquity shall abound, the love of many shall wax cold. Well, let me just tell you something, everybody. That iniquity is abounding right now. And the love of many is waxing cold. And we are living in the most narcissistic, driven, narcotic, dependable, and narcoleptic, deadbeat society of all time. You know what that means, right? Narcissistic is it's all about them. Narcotic is it's all about the stuff they're taking and watching and doing today. And narco, they don't want to work. You know, they just rather sleep. It's a deadbeat society of all time. It's hard to love these people. But we're supposed to because of the value Christ has put on their soul. They are not very approachable sometimes. Therefore, we've decided to just take a nap ourselves. While the harvest is going on, according to Proverbs 10.5, He that gathereth in the summer is a wise son, but he that sleepeth in the harvest is a son that calls us shame. I'm ashamed of myself sometimes. I really am. That I'm not doing more. And I know that I should. Here's the next thing. The expectation of entitlement. It used to be this country was always built on an enlistment mentality. Right? In other words, I didn't need to get drafted. If there's a war, I'm joining Right, because I'm going to go in there and I'm going to fight for our country and our family and everything else. Then the draft came along, and now we, they're having a hard time filling the spots on, in the military branches right now because we have uh, an entitlement mentality. It used to be an enlistment mentality. Now we have an entitlement mentality, expecting God, country, and the church, even the church, to be our, at our beck and call. And, and I'm not doing anything for you if you're not doing anything for me mentality. And there's, then there's the excuse of sovereignty. And God is sovereign. Would anybody not agree with that? But now we're using it. Here's what, here's what they're doing. Believers are caving to the polluted doctrine of Calvinism. All over the place. It used to be no point, no tulip points in this church or any church you know, that we knew of. And now it's, well, I believe in one point. And now it's getting worse. Now I believe in two points. And now, well, I know the third point's pretty good too, right? And by the way, you know, this was never taught this way like it is right now. If God is sovereign, then he'll do the searching and do the saving, and I can just relax, put my broom away, and stop sweeping. That's just what I can do. I, I can just read, rest, relax, and let God do all the sweeping. Right? He'll bring in who he may. Who he may. And then there's the existential, uh, ex existentialism behind personal liberty and responsibility. That's the next thing. And what I mean by that, this is the view that the rules of God do not apply to us anymore. They are irrelevant. They're antiquated. They're not pertinent for us today in today's society. Man is free to do what he wants or she wants and responsible for her, their own actions. They're not accountable to anybody anymore. And God has... So, and, they, and what they're doing is they're implying this. They're, they're, they're implying that God has changed his, his approach to sin. In other words, he no longer hates sin the way he used to hate sin. That was the Old Testament. New Testament, you know, he's more kind and considerate of it. 
in other words, there is no fear of God or the consequence of sin anymore. If I don't have the right to call out your sin, you don't have the right to call out my sin. It's sad when you think about it, right? Regardless of what the Bible says, they're saying, regardless of what God says, right? We're not to call out anybody for their sin anymore. We're just to let them suffer the consequences of their own actions and beliefs and, and let it go. Sheep waiting for you to come or a coin that's waiting for you to be find or, uh, found or a son that's looking for a way to come home just have to find their own way. That's all. They'll just have to find their own way. They don't need us sweepers out there. All of these excuses are in direct defiance to the will of God and the word of God. And God expects us, listen to me carefully, to seek diligently, looking for that one lost soul. I want to find them. I want God to bring them my way so that I can find them. You know, it's hard right now. I read a lot of lost souls, but there are so many right on the edge right now, just ready to trust on Jesus Christ. Some of them have been in this, since I've been here in October, there's some been in these doors because I've talked to them that are just about there. They're just about there, almost persuaded like King Agrippa, almost. They're just not there yet. We just got to seek more diligently. And secondly is this. A clean sweep means we have to sweep more thoroughly. I would say that's personal and public. And what I mean is I need to look, take a, a deeper look at my own life, first of all. But then I think this point pushes it home more than any other point that I just gave you is that we have to sweep the entire house, every corner, every closet, every crack, and every crevice because we might miss the most important soul God had planned for his kingdom. You know, Jesus said this. He said, going into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. What is it about that we don't understand? Every single creature. Every creature still means every creature. Nothing to be refused. We're to do a clean sweep unto the uttermost parts of the world for that one lost soul hiding for fear of maybe oppression in her government or whatever, or waiting just for help for someone to come and rescue them. Like a lost coin, they will remain lost until someone does a more thorough sweep. The world's in trouble right now. Um, I talk to missionaries all the time, every week, and uh, uh, they're struggling. They're struggling. We're sending less missionaries into the field than we've ever sent before. In fact, uh, Philippines is now sending missionaries out to countries that we're not sending to anymore. We made a big impact in there during the war, and now we have a lot of churches in there, and now they're doing the sending. We should be the greatest sending nation on planet Earth because of what we have. This is a continental uh, search, right? Nation to nation, city to city, house to house, room to room, soul to soul. That's the type sweeping we're supposed to be doing until they're all found and there's none left. Do you, you all understand, right? There's someone out there, male or female, older or younger, that's going to get saved as the last person that's going to get saved and Christ comes back. We've got to find that person. And it's not to rush in his, uh, his coming, it's just that he wants them all found. Uh, 1 Peter 3, 9 says, The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness, 
but is long-suffering to us, we're not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. For this is good and acceptable, acceptable in the sight of God our Savior, 1 Timothy 2, 3, and 4, who will have all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. Every creature still means every creature. So God expects us to seek diligently and to sweep thoroughly. He doesn't want to miss anybody. The world is a big place and Jesus is not willing that any should perish without him, especially without a chance to have eternal life. We need to seek everybody more diligently and we need to sweep more thoroughly in our area right here. There's people like a lost coin that are valuable to God and they should be valuable to us. And lastly, and this is my last point I'm through, a clean sweep means that we, when we find them, we're to shout more enthusiastically. One of the things uh, that has bothered me in ministry, I'm just being honest with you, uh, I don't think I've seen it here in our church, but is when someone says, I gave my life to the Lord, I got saved, and we go, that's good. Good for you. Yeah, oh yeah, that's so sweet. I'm glad you love the Lord. That drives me up a wall. When, when somebody comes to me and says, um, like Caleb said about his son just recently, he said, I, I, think, I think he got saved. I'm going, really? <laughs> it like excites me so much. Like, this is crazy. Do you want me to talk to him? What do you want to do? Oh, let's start rejoicing already, right? Because I'm not going to challenge that. If he's saved, he's saved. Right? I think sometimes we become the judge, don't we? And we start saying, well, I need to see some fruit. If I see some fruit, uh, then, then we'll start celebrating. I'm celebrating right away. Because you're not going to mock God if that person is crying out to God. Listen, even if he's not sincere, God's not going to drop that. He's not going to drop that. I want to celebrate. I love celebrating. I do. I love celebrating. When, that, when Cain, uh, when the coin was found, she started shouting. Right? She started rejoicing. And every time a soul gets saved, it's shouting time, everybody. Especially in heaven. And a soul saved is something heaven shouts about every time one gets saved. It's a big deal to God. And it should be a big deal to us. And we shouldn't hinder that in any way by putting our own judgment in on whether they are or whether they aren't. Right? We'll let the Holy Ghost do that. Right? We're just going to celebrate. And if they're not, they'll feel convicted. Oh, man, they're really celebrating over this. I'm not even sure if I am saved. You know, uh, uh, Jesus said, all of heaven rejoices over one soul that owns up to their own sin and then repents of that sin and their unbelief and their rebellion against God. And they turn to Jesus for salvation. Jesus said, you must be born again. We don't even want to use that term anymore. We're afraid of that. You know, those born again believers. Yeah, that's what I am. I'm not afraid anytime anybody says that. You're one of those born again believers? I certainly am. I certainly am one of those born again believers. He said, you can't see it. You can't even tell them. You can't even see the kingdom of God unless you are. So why wouldn't you want to be? Why wouldn't you want to associate with those people? We should want everyone to see the kingdom of God, correct? And the kingdom of God is here in Jesus Christ. 
It says in Mark 1.15, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent ye and believe the gospel. Luke 17.21, neither, neither shall they say, lo here or lo there, for behold, the kingdom of God is within you. In a, in a moment, we're going to baptize, right? Just, just We're just minutes away right now. I'm, I want to tell you something. It's shouting time. Yeah, it's shouting time. I'm excited about this. I, I've been, I was so nervous the last couple of days trying to get this thing working. By the way, I've been in a battle with a baptism. Baptismal, right? It's been me and, me and that thing punching each other out. <laughs> Literally. I've been over here on my back underneath it trying to get this thing to keep working. And I, got, I came over at 5 o'clock this morning. I, I got up early and got over here and I said... I went, oh, Lord, I prayed, and I stuck my finger in it, and it was warm, and I go, hallelujah. I was just just shouting with praise. And by the way, if you want to take a picture of it, I have no problem with that. Just stand, if you want to even come up here, just stand to the side here, that's all, just so that everybody can see. I don't have any problem with that because it's exciting. So in a moment, we're going to do that. But before we do that, it's salvation time. It's salvation time. If you're not 100% sure you're saved today, this is your day. Listen, don't sweep this offer under the rug. And I'm going to tell you this with all my heart. You won't be swept under the rug here. Not in this church. No, sir. No, ma'am. You can find your way into the kingdom of God right here in this church. And you can find your way into the kingdom of God right here, right now. So if you're unsaved or don't know 100% sure you would would be in heaven when you die, you're the lost coin that Jesus is looking for right now. You're missing, you're the missing piece that Jesus is, that wants with him uh, in heaven. You're valuable and God loves you beyond more than you'd ever imagine. So with that said, let's bow our heads. I'm going to turn it over to Mike in just a minute. But if you're the missing piece, that's because you're missing peace. You know what I'm saying? If you're missing peace, P-E-A-C-E, that's because you're the missing peace, P-I-E-C-E, that Jesus came for. And you can be found today by Jesus Christ. Now I realize I'm probably preaching to the, I, I don't see any new visitors here, so I'm probably preaching to the choir today. But just in case there's someone here that needs to be saved, you need to admit to Jesus that you're a sinner. That you're a sinner with no way to save yourself unless he comes and finds you. Secondly, you got knowledge that Jesus paid your sin debt and he, because he did come and he died in your place. He died on Calvary's cross to save you from hell and the wrath of God. And Jesus wants to give you eternal life with him both now and forever. So finally, listen, you just need to accept salvation by faith. It's a free gift given to you. God says, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. So are you ready to call on him right now and say, here I am, Lord, here I am, Lord. Here I am, Lord. I give myself to you. Just come and save me. If you'll sincerely repent of your sin, call out to him right now for salvation. Listen, you're not going to be swept under the rug. You're going to be swept into the arms of God.
and you're going to know it the moment you do it. The call doesn't pray, uh, save you, uh, the, or the prayer doesn't save you. It's the way. It's just saying yes to Jesus. If you just say something like this, "Yes, Jesus, I'm here. Yes, Jesus, I'm ready. Yes, Jesus, save me right now. Yes, Jesus, you're you are welcome to come in and take over my life." I want to tell you something. If you're willing to say that right now, He loves you so much, He'll sweep you off your feet. You'll never be the same again. Is there anybody by the with a, uh, by the raised hand, eyes are closed, heads are bowed, anybody with a raised hand that just trusted on Jesus Christ their Savior here in the sanctuary? Anybody at all? And those of you who are watching on live feed, you know what you have to do. You know what you have to do. Don't get caught up in this world with all of its power and its possessions and pleasures and popularity. Don't be swept under the rug. Be swept up into the arms of a loving God. And we'll trust that you'll do that today. Okay, everybody look up here for a minute. I'm going to go in and I'm going to put my boots on. And my coat. And while I do that and get ready, Mike's going to lead a brief invitation here. I've seen a lot of lives change at the altar throughout my 30 years of ministry. Some people aren't for altar calls. I'll never stop them. I've seen alcoholics lose their desire for alcohol. I've seen families come back together because they laid it down and they left it there. Because it's the mercy seat of God. When we, we need to take that active step of faith and get up out of our comfort zones and make a difference. And when we do, God comes in and changes everything. So with, that, with the invitation of God speaking to your heart today, you come forward as Mike leads, and I'll get ready for the, for the two baptisms. Let's stand. Those of you who are ready to That's the invitation. You come. Listen, if God spoke in your heart, there are three reasons why you might come to the altar today. One, clearly, if you don't know for sure that you're saved, let us show you how you can know that for sure. Don't leave here today without that, without knowing that for sure. Two, that God has spoken to your heart, and uh, he wants you to do something. He wants you to give yourself, your heart, your soul. He wants you to give your, your life to him so that he can accomplish his will in your life. Three, you could come because you're praying for somebody else. There's somebody God's laid on your heart. You know that they, they need him. And you can come and you can pray for, for them. Now, we've said it before. In your seat or at this altar, you know, it's not, it's, there's nothing special about the place where you pray. God can hear you wherever you are. So it's really just symbolic, if you will, if you were to come to give yourself on this altar to do with, that God can do with you what he wants. And if God has spoken to you, 
Perhaps, you know, the other thing, there's, there's a fourth reason why. You might come. There may be somebody else that wants to go too. And they're hesitating to step out because nobody else has. We hope that message was an encouragement to you. To stay up to date with us, please follow us on Twitter and like us on Facebook at LBC Schenectady. If you would like more information on how heaven can be your home, please visit lighthousebaptist.org slash the gospel.